was saved while some of those songs were playing back when I used to go to Church of God. I think some of them songs were playing when I went to the altar and I gave my life to the Lord. And uh, I was I was like a, a good Red Bull came on. Good, good, uh, good song. Even though I can't keep the beat and I'm a bit loud, even Ember said I was too loud. He said your clap is too loud. <laughs> Watch too loud. <laughs> I want to, uh, as we get into, uh, just get into the word tonight. Um, I want to remind you of something, and just let me, let me just share this with you real quick. I want to remind you, <coughs> the devil is a bully. Yes, he is. He's a bully. And, you know, some, sometimes I get it. I mean, I get it. Like, I get it. You know, don't let the bully, don't let the bully take advantage of you. I get it. But it, I forget it really quick. I forget really fast. And I'm, I'm saying this to somebody. I don't know who this is. This is for somebody. The devil is a bully. Make sure you put him in his place. Don't let him keep having assault and battery on you. And, and he, he'll, he'll be more than happy to step in the role of committing assault and battery on God's children. He does it all the time, and he's never brought up on charges because we don't do anything about it. We just let him do it. And there's a misconception. We've talked about it before. Like I said, I don't know who this is for. This is for somebody. This is, has nothing to do with the message per se. But somebody needs to know that you, we, we can't, you can't keep letting him do that. You can't keep letting him take advantage of your mind. You can't keep letting him take advantage of the things that are going on around you. You have to be the one to take authority over those situations. And you've got to, spiritually speaking, give him a good punch in the face. Amen. I mean, a good one. Not just, not, not just stop that. I'm talking, you've got you to gotta really put it out there. And so I, I'm saying that for someone tonight. Somebody needs to hear that. Because the devil's a bully. That's his, that's his role in, in the Christian life. Is he's going to come in and try to bully you around. He's, gonna, he's going to take whatever you give him. He's going to do it. That's just what he does. Now, life happens sometimes. And sometimes situations are difficult. And we, you, all of you, I mean, I, I know some of your situations and others I don't. Sometimes life just happens. But a lot of times the enemy comes in and he deceives you into thinking that what you're dealing with is circumstantial. And it's not circumstantial. It's actually spiritual. Be very attentive to what's going on in your life. You very well may not be dealing with circumstantial situations. You may actually be dealing with a spiritual situation. And if that's the spiritual situation that you're dealing with, then you're going to need guidance from the Holy Spirit as to handle that situation. It's not simply going to go away. Circumstances that are, well, I should say, spiritual situations um, that birth circumstances in your life until they're addressed spiritually, they're not resolved. You can band-aid them up all day long, but they need to be taken care of spiritually before they're actually resolved. So I'm telling you this, that the enemy has to be put in this place. He's already been defeated, right? He's already been defeated, but... Don't fall into the cliched verbiage of, you know, oh, the devil's been defeated already. Yeah, I get that. But if you let him come in your house and abuse you, he'll do it. And you'll still be saying, the enemy's defeated, though. Enemy's defeated. You better get up and do something about it. I've seen people do this. I've seen people do it for years. And I'm watching them. But when are you going to do something about it? But I know he's defeated. Then do something. And tell him to go. Tell him to leave because he has to. Sometimes we forget that part of it. Sometimes you got to get up and do something about it. All right. There's been something that's been on my heart for quite some time. And uh, I'm going to share it with you tonight. Um, I have... Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to break it down like this. I have a friend in the Lord. I have a friend in Jesus. But I also have a friend in the Holy Spirit. And um, we, we, we believe in three but one. Yep. We believe in the Trinity. We believe in God the Father, we believe in God the Son, and we believe in God the Holy Ghost. And in a Pentecostal church, it's 
like really important that you know the role of the Holy Ghost. Absolutely like essential that we understand who the Holy Ghost is, what he's doing, what, he, what he's wanting to do, and that whose lead are we following. Now, is it safe to say that we can have a kind of a blanket belief on all of it? Meaning, I just follow the Lord, Tanner. Is it really important that I need to know who the Holy Ghost is? I just, I just follow God. And G-O-D kind of gets the placement, and we just call all of them God. Well, that's true. All of them are God. But what I've noticed in the years that I've been involved in church, I got saved when I was 16, as I mentioned earlier, in the Church of God, just down the road here. And um, I was very fresh and very new and very green. And I was petrified at some of the things that I'd seen happen in the Church of God. Some of you that are residents of Ravia have been in those doors at time of revival and, and there's all kinds of things that take place and you see the spirit doing all kinds of things I was shocked at some of the things I was seeing at 16 years old I didn't understand those things and Misty would have to explain to me what was actually taking place and when I'd see people go out in the spirit I didn't know what that was and when I see her tongues I didn't know what that was none of those things really made sense to me I, I needed I needed knowledge well over the years I I, I got knowledge it comes with experience, and it comes with being in the midst of his presence, doing the things of God. And I found that in the last 20 to 25 years, there's been a drastic decline in the talk of the Holy Ghost, in the recognition of the Holy Ghost, in the fear of the Lord, and anything that has to do with the Holy Ghost. I've noticed that conviction has waned in a church service. I've, I've been in church services back in those times where people would hit the altars before the message was ever over, crying and weeping because something was said that just absolutely struck them where they had to come to the front and just begin to weep and, and pray and ask for forgiveness. I've been in services where nobody spoke. It's just weeping. There was a reverence there. And so over the years, I begin to ask myself hard questions. Whatever happened to that? And who, who, was, who was in the middle of that? Well, obviously, it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. The Father, God the Father, sent His Son to die for you and I. Correct? And Jesus said before he left, he said, I got to go that the Comforter will come, which is the Holy Ghost, and he's going to show you all things. Which is what he's referring to is he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to reveal all truth to you. When, when he, what he means by that is, is that that's where conviction comes in. It, um, how, how many of you have, uh, you know, you've read your word, you're reading the word, or at night, maybe you're at the house, or maybe you're in the service, and a revelation comes to you, a revelation of truth. Amen. That's the revelation that was promised to you from the Holy Ghost that you were going to receive, and it, that's, that's his role. That's his role. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, is to teach you the difference between right and wrong. And it's very important that you understand that because the Holy Ghost is not a... You, you, when you mention him, he is his own person in the Trinity. You've got God sending his son, but then Jesus pointed and said, now from now on, the Holy Ghost is going to be doing the work while I'm gone. Oh, he's very important. He's very important. Not only that, but the Holy Ghost has feelings. Now, it gets me emotional a bit, and you'll have to forgive me, because... He's my friend, and I have mistreated my friend at times. He has feelings, and I've hurt his feelings before, and I knew it when I did it. You don't, you don't get filled with the Holy Ghost and over time not have an understanding of what it's like to hurt your friend's feelings. Anybody in here ever hurt your friend's feelings before? You have somebody close to you. you. Maybe you said something that was incorrect or wrong. 
And you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That was not good. You see, a lot of, a lot of times people view Christianity and view God as just God on the throne, and he's up there, and he's kind of emotionless. Well, see, he sent the Holy Ghost that you'd know that he wasn't emotionless. He's not emotionless at all. And so, as, as me as an individual, I begin to delve into this even further over the years and, and getting to know who the Holy Ghost was and his role in my life. Most people only view the Holy Ghost or even talk about him if somebody's speaking in tongues or laying out on the carpet. And even though those are elements of the Pentecostal walk, that is not all there is. And I can assure you tonight, by some of the things I'm going to tell you, if you're wanting to ever see those things or return to those things again, pay very close attention to the scriptures that I'm going to give you tonight, because they are a direct pathway back to that. They are a direct pathway back to seeing the things that we would like and we know that are possible in the potential. Because as long as we are still here, as long as we are still here, the Holy Ghost is here with us. Amen. He's here tonight. <laughs> He's here. And he's sensitive. He's sensitive. Um, you, you never met anybody as sensitive as him. He, he feels emotions and feelings. And he moves when he's allowed. But he won't when he's not. That is the Holy Ghost that I know. And he's very patient. He's very patient, but he's very direct. He says what he needs to say. And then he'll even remind you later, hey, I told you that. You remember when I told you that? And at times all I can do is cry. Yeah, yeah, you told me. You told me and I didn't do it. This is all the work of the Holy Ghost. Is it God? Yes, it's God. Absolutely. I want to take you to some scriptures tonight. And I want to start actually, if you'll look in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, let's go ahead and start in verse 27. Ephesians 4 and 27. This might kind of seem like an odd place to start, but bear with me. Neither give place to the devil... 27 says, do not give place to the devil. No place. The, the Greek word for place is tapos, and I've, I've been over this before just briefly. Uh, tapos is, is uh, regarded as the, um, uh, the sheath you put a knife in. That's what the, the Greek definition is, is that any place like a, like a sliver, Enough place where you can fit a knife, which is not very much, right? Mm -hmm. A knife sheath doesn't take up a, not, a lot of spot, a lot of place. That's exactly what he says when he says, do not give place, or neither give place here. Neither give place or a knife sheath to the devil. Don't give him no room, no leverage, nothing. Yeah. Just for a minute, just take that serious. Don't take it in passing. We deal with communication and verbiage all day long. Don't take that in passing. Take it personal. Take it serious. Don't give him any leverage at all. Now I'm going to tell you this. The Holy Ghost is going to speak to you tonight at some point in time about what this and how this applies to your life. I don't know what he's going to tell you, but take it seriously. Because whatever means he is giving you, I actually, I said a bit of this this morning, whatever angle he's, he's dealing with you at to to not give the enemy place anymore, it's very important you pay attention to that because it, it plays into your life somehow, even though you might not be able to see it, even though it may not make any sense, and it may even be directly correlated to something you like doing. But if God says, hey, I really need you to put that down, it's because he understands there's a place that you've given up that God wants you to have supremacy over again. It's possible that there's something controlling you and you're not controlling it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So this is what this means. 
Do not give place to the devil. Don't allow him any leverage whatsoever. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him who needs. And what he's talking about here when he said, uh, um, let him who stole steal no more, meaning uh, change. Change. You, you, you change. You are, you are one way, and then you're not going to be that way anymore. You're going to change. It's progressive, okay? It's progressive, and it comes with chronic exposure to the presence of the Lord. Amen. It does not happen overnight. You are not going to get anywhere with the Lord in just one session. I have good one sessions with the Lord, but how about a good session every night? How about, a good, how about a good time with the Lord every single day? How about spending some time with him on a, on a continual basis? It's very important that you expose yourself to the Lord because it's in that kind of relationship that the Holy Spirit can speak to you and give you direction. Pastors mentioned it before. We're too reliant on a service to pull it off. We're too reliant on a service. I'm still going to tell you, I don't know what the percentages are, but the majority, I think I'll just say it like that. The majority of the things that you garner from the Spirit should be learned outside of the church doors. You should be learning these things on your own. Is coming into church a, a thing that's necessary? Yes, it's necessary. But in the context of fellowship, I don't have time to get into all of that, but it's within the context of fellowship and in the context of group faith. This is why this is ne necessary. But 95% of the time, I'm not here. I'm out here. So if you, don't learn, if you don't learn to learn out there, then you're only getting about 5% of it. I mean, there's like a, that's a pretty large gap. So we need to be very understanding that this thing is much more than just a simple service. And there's much to be learned at the hand of the Holy Spirit. Revealing all truth to you. Um, services are, are fantastic. I, but I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a truth. This is a truth. I'm not, I'm not saying this to... Remember, remember, don't think vertically when I say this. It's not about who's, you know, a way up here or way down here or anything like that. I still have some of the best things that have ever happened to me in the spirit. I was alone. I was alone. There was nobody there. It was just me and the Holy Ghost in a time like I cannot even possibly explain to you. And it was fantastic. It was vibrant. It was beautiful. Because it was, it was, it was just him and me. You know what I'm talking about. See, it's that kind of stuff that we've got to come back to. It's, it's that. You do that. You concentrate on that. I promise you, you'll bring it here. I guarantee it. You'll bring it here. Because the Holy Ghost will make sure of it. He'll make sure of it. He'll make sure that things will be happening because you're being developed out there. It, it's, it's very important that we understand that there has to be a change from what we were doing before to what we are doing now. If we are going to have a relationship with the Lord, then there has to be a change, especially even in the when I, when I speak about progressiveness, if you are saying that I want to be closer to God, then there has to be a prayer life that actually supports the closeness you speak of. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It only makes sense. I mean, if, if I'm talking about expanding my company, then I put a lot of research and development into actually pulling that off. And I'm not lessening the experience of God, but I, I'm telling you tonight, it's a lot like that even in the spirit realm. You want to draw closer to God, then you garner more knowledge of the Lord through the word of God. Amen. And then you pray more, and then you draw closer to him. And then, well, he just keeps his promise because he said, if you draw closer to me, I'll draw closer to you. Amen. And then before you know it, you've got sparks and lightning going everywhere because he kept his word. And you pressed in. And that's, that's a part of this, this dynamic between us and the Holy Spirit. So he's going to say some things to us. He's going to, he's going to show us how to make those changes and to make the switch from what we were doing to actually accomplish getting closer to the Lord. I've seen this so many times in my own life. And I, and I, being, I want to be very transparent with you tonight. I have, I have obeyed in different seasons, and I have disobeyed in different seasons. 
I know what it's like to be on both sides of this track. I know what it's like to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is telling me because he's only saying, I'm just trying to get you where you said you wanted to go. You said you wanted to be close to the Lord, then I'm showing you what you need to do to actually do that. And then I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't really know if I was wanting to do all that. I mean, you're trying to get me to walk up to people and talk to them and trying to get me to step out of my comfort zone. I wasn't really with all that. I was just trying to get close to God. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Whatever he is speaking to you as an individual is very important because it's going to play in to your relationship and how close you are to him. Very important. Look at this next scripture here. Because it gets into this gets into the, the really the meat of this thing. So verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, the word communication here is logos in the Greek, which means thoughts and reasoning, your ability to to have thoughts and reasoning. And it's a two-step process. If you'll notice here in verse 29, it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. The two-step process is, is that, first of all, corrupt communication starts with a thought. You with me? It starts right here. That's where it's at. And, and then it, as we mull it, if we're not capturing our thoughts properly if we're not getting a hold of them in time then we think about it for a while and we sit on it for a while and then it's birthed by the speaking of your word okay so what he's saying is is do not allow corrupt communication that's illicit thoughts and reasoning proceed out of your mouth we're okay we're okay with having to bear the burden of the thought being there. You have to be okay with that because that's the war zone. That's the warfare right there. Yeah. I've got it. Here it is. It's, you know, how do I, I'm to put this in a little bit more layman's terms. Um, yep, there they go. They did it again. And I told them not to do that. They know how much I can't stand that. You know what, you know what I'm talking about. And I've warned them over and over again. And there they go. They said it again. Oh my gosh, you can't stand that person for doing that. You with me? So we, we got these things that are going on upstairs, and they're affecting us. But then something, something different happens. It's communication. This thing right here. And we communicate what we feel. Which I'm telling you right now. They're all telling, they, they all tell us, you need to communicate what you feel. No, you don't. No, you don't. You do not need to communicate everything that you feel. Number one, because first of all, and this is, this is probably the most important, your feelings aren't that important. And I'm not trying to say that to offend anybody. I'm just telling you. Your feelings about the matter are probably not that important. I think, I think we need to realize that because that humbles us. That puts us where we belong, which is small, little. It doesn't really matter what you think. I've told them, my kids can tell you. I tell them that all the time. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Zayden's shaking his head yes. He's like, yeah, he tells me that. It's like, it doesn't really matter how you feel about it because what's going to happen is you're going to voice how you feel and you're going to mess the whole thing up. You're messing up. It doesn't really matter how you feel about it. What matters is, is what we need to do with that burden that we're carrying. So we got it, all right? Do not let it proceed out of your mouth because that's step two. Because the moment it comes out, the moment you begin to communicate that is when you and I begin to go down a path that we cannot return from. It's very important to understand that I'm going to interconnect this scripture right here with the power of the internet and the power of social media. Absolutely, 100%, I'm going to connect it because those are your words. Those are your words. I'm blown away. Listen, I'm going to be very bold here. I am blown away by the things that I see church people put on the web. I'm like... Did you, did you just like a beer ad? Did you just like a beer ad? Did you just support that? I'm shocked because I'm not getting this. Let me, let me ask, oh, man, 
Let me ask you a really hard question. Who are you when the doors are closed? Who are you? Who are you when nobody's looking? Who are you? Um, we've been having, uh, I don't know, how, how do I say this? My daughter has had a lot of connection. My daughter alone knows a lot of people. And I didn't realize that, and as she got older, she's gotten older, she's connected with people uh, at OSU, she's connected with people across in different states, and, and while you may not think that's that big of a deal, uh, considering she's only 18 years old, and if you type up OSU 4-H, she's on the front page of OSU's website, 4-H. She's got some connections, and I'm not just lifting her up because she's my daughter. She knows a lot of people, and she showed us personally people that uh, that she's connected with that are that are are pronouncing Christianity, and then they have TikToks in these alternate forms of, of social media that nobody really knows about but the good friends. Mm. And the things that we are seeing are blowing us away. Mm. And I'm asking that question, who are you when the doors are closed? Who are you really? It's upsetting. But it's not just upsetting for me. I mean, I look at it. This is upsetting to the Holy Ghost. This is upsetting to the Holy Ghost. This, this, is, this is upsetting to him because when we make a profession of Christianity and faith in Christ, there's supposed to be a change. And you've heard me talk about this very openly, that there's something going on in Christianity that people are redefining Christianity completely. And there's this scary laxness about the way people handle their Christianity that scares me. Not you, I think I could say that you understand what I mean. It scares me the way people are handling their Christianity. Your Christianity come from a sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If you didn't get it this morning, as one pastor said it, we ain't never going to get it because that was great. I mean, driving home the importance of what happened on the cross. The ultimate price was paid. What? So I can, I can, I can go to a, I can go to a, a meeting where there's supposedly uh, good dedicated Christians there. And then I'm going to go there, and I'm going to get drunk, and I'm going to party, and I'm going to do all the other things. And now this isn't just kids. This is adults, too. This is very important that we start drawing the proper lines about who we really are and then making a decision whether we're going to make the change and stop doing those things and come over into the area that we know we belong. You're wondering... If you, if you know what I'm talking about and you wonder why your life is not maybe working correctly, you might want to take a second look at that because it's very important that you make a, a proper change. And we completely buy into everything that Christ did on the cross and that we begin to allow the Holy Spirit, the total leverage that he's asking for, to continue that change. It's lifelong. It's a lifelong thing. Sorry, Haven, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I... Haven shares some very, very good stuff with us. Um, verse 29, and I'm going to read it again. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. He's saying, watch what you say. Now, this is in connection to what I'm about to tell you. This is where it begins to get really interesting to me scripturally, because there's some very definitive things here that tell us exactly what's happening, spiritually speaking, when we begin to act uh, in these, these things that I'm about to read to you. Verse 30 says, And grieve not, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. You see, the word, um, uh, the word grieve there is referring to uh, being sorrowful or vexed. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It's a direct command to you and I. Now, most of the time, now this, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know your, I don't know what you believe and I don't know what you've studied. So I say this carefully. Most of the time, people look at grievances of the Spirit as a blanket thing. Like saying, well, grieving of the Spirit is just sin. Well, that's true. It is sin. But in these particular scriptures, he specifies what grieves the Holy Spirit. 
and you need to know what they are. Because the Holy Spirit is your liaison to getting closer to the Father. Amen. You don't get closer to God without Him. Amen. Do you know that? And you don't get a revelation without conviction and God knowledge shared to you by the Holy Ghost. Amen. None of it happens without Him. None of it. And if you'll meditate on for that for a little bit, that really starts to put you in your place. It's like all the studying you can do, you can study and study and study until the Holy Ghost comes along and actually tells you what you're reading. You don't get it. You ain't getting it. He'll put a block on you. Come on. You, you read a scripture before, and then you read it, and 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 then all of a sudden one day, you got it. Who do you think did that? That was him. He's like, yeah, you get it now, don't you? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. There's a lot of stuff in there. Might want to keep reading it. And see, he's the he's the revelator of truth. You don't get truth without him. Everything that you and I have is head knowledge. It's head knowledge, which is actually not very uh, useful in a spiritual battle. It's just not very useful. You need to know how it applies to your spirit, and the Holy Ghost knows how. Hey, if, if I could put it in a, a way that I feel it in my spirit, it's like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I see what you're dealing with. Oh, yep, I know exactly how to get through that. Helped a lot of people over thousands of years get through that very thing that you're dealing with right there. Amen. But you're going to have to look. You're going to have to ask. You're going to have to seek, and you're going to have to knock. And if you'll do those things, I'll show you how to get through it. I'll show you how to hold on. And I'll even show you how to get closer to him. That's the Holy Ghost. That's his role. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. So he says, don't grieve, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now it says here, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. There's a seal been placed upon you by the Holy Ghost that is a, literally a spiritual seal that says you are his property. Amen. You are his. That seal, it's on you. Now what does it look like? I don't know. I don't know if it was stamped. I don't know if there's something spiritually attached to you. I don't know what it is. But you've been sealed. You've been sealed with a seal by the Holy Spirit. This is why he's saying, he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you not realize what role he sealed you to properly show you as being the property of God? Why would you want to offend the one who's trying to get you there? You see what I'm saying? Now, I know a lot of people will disagree. They'll say, but Tanner, Jesus did all of that, and I accepted Jesus, and, and all of that's done. This is where people get so one-sided that is the pinnacle in the middle of everything that you and I believe. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that most people don't leave that point. Yeah. They're just stopped right there. I'm going to tell you that the next step is your relationship with the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's the next step. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's time to move on. We got to move. And everything that you want to see take place, miracles, gifts of the Spirit, close encounters of the God kind, that's all going to be Holy Spirit stuff. So I think it's funny that people want to leave him out, but they still want to get close to God. Impossible. It can't be done. You cannot get close to God without him. you got to have him. All right, so we're not going to grieve him. But he says here in verse 31... It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. It's safe to say that verse 31 here is speaking about the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And what I think is so interesting about this is that as you read this, if you'll study the scriptures and you'll study the flow here from 29, talking about corrupt communication, it is speaking about communication that comes from your mouth. Is these the only things that grieve the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. But you have very definitive things right here that show us and tell us what is grieving the Holy Spirit and what I could possibly be doing that's grieving him. Not just some simple thing. See, I think this is where we go wrong. I think that we're, we think we're getting away with it. I think we think we're getting away with it like, well, you know, I'm a little upset with 
them. Yeah, I got some issues with them. What do you, I mean, what kind of level of bitterness are we talking about here? Because bitterness is bitterness. And so we think that it's not that big of a deal. We think that it's kind of trivial. I don't really want to bring it up. I'll just kind of let it pass. To say that something grieves the Holy Spirit is something that you and I should pay close attention to. I do not want to grieve the one who has sealed me unto the day of redemption. I do not want to upset the one who is going to draw me closer to the Father. I'm not going to get there if I continually do things that grieve him. So let me start right here, because I've, I've got some things I want to read to you real quick, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I don't want to suck up all the time because we're running out of time here. But the first one is bitterness. And the Greek word for bitterness is pikria and it actually is in if you look at it in the strongs it's called acridity which the word is acrid and it means a nasty taste or odor connected with poison that's what bitterness means here now you think you, know, you say bitterness you're like yeah you know yeah we don't need to carry that bitterness until you look at the greek and you find out what the spirit actually is saying here He's saying that it's nasty, it's putrid, and it's a poison that's killing you. You stink. That's what it's saying. Look it up yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. It's saying you stink. You got a foul taste and a foul odor coming from you because of bitterness. See, that's, that's actually something spiritual. That's a spiritual thing. You think, man, I got, I got my Dr. Squatch on. I'm all right. But in the spirit realm, we don't know what we smell like. And you may be foul. You may be foul in the spirit realm because of bitterness. See, bitterness is something that grieves the Holy Spirit. That's something that really wants, that should make us want to take a really close look and make sure we don't have anything at all against another individual, especially someone in the body. No bitterness, none, because it's a poison. And uh, there was also, um, it's also connected to uh, acid, the poison. It's also connected to acid. What's acid do when you get it on you? Burns you. Causes damage, sometimes permanent damage. Bitterness. Bitterness. It'll burn you if you touch it. It'll cause permanent damage. Bitterness. So he said, uh, let all bitterness and wrath. The Greek word for wrath is thumos. And it's passion with fierce indignation. Anger, or I'm sorry, wrath is passion with fierce indignation. Well, the question is, is what is indignation? That's the question you really want to know. Indignation has to do with your personal perception of how unfair you believe you've been treated. That's indignation. And that's connected to wrath. Being wrathful. Hey, listen. I've been guilty many times when I read these scriptures right here. I throw every one of these words in the same basket. And that is wrong. They are not the same things. You're just like, well, that's just a bunch of bad stuff. We don't need to do those bad things. No. No, look them up. Passion with fierce indignation. You've treated me unfairly. And now I'm going to have an attitude to support it. I'm going to show you how bad you've treated me. I deserve to be treated better than that. Indignation. I know it doesn't say indignation, but that's the wrath. That's connected to that wrath. So we just think wrath means just bantering on and, and getting crazy and think, no, 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 no. There's, by definition, indignation. Somebody, you feel mistreated. You feel like somebody's done you unfairly. The Bible is telling us that this is a grievance to the Holy Ghost. It's a grievance. I guess in a sense, and I'm not going to put words where there are no words, but the Holy Spirit is saying, I really believe it, the Holy Spirit is saying, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Okay? Get, get by it. All right? And, and I believe, listen, I've experienced these things in my own life. <laughs> I've experienced them. I'm, I'm my first hand. The, the, he is patient, but when he's, when he's done, 
He comes and he's like, you know, first he knocks. And then when he's like, listen, get that out of your life right now. I told you to get that out of your life a long time ago. And now look at you. Look what you're dealing with. I, we got the choice to listen now before it begins to take root. Don't let indignation steal from you what God has given you. And let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. Anger. So we think anger and wrath are the same thing. It's not true. Greek. Greek word for anger is orge. This is violent passion or justifiable abhorrence or justifiable repulsiveness, which is what abhorrence means here. Uh, you go look the definition up is violent passion or justifiable repulsion. I don't like you, and I've got a good reason not to. You make me sick. I can't stand being around you. I don't like I don't like anything about you. Repulsion. He's saying you better get rid of that. You better get rid of it. See, when I read these, man, I'm telling you, church, this stuff stomped me to pieces when I started really dissecting this. Because I was like, mm. okay, now, now I'm starting to understand why I've been feeling some of the way that I felt. It's because I've been carrying some of these things around not really realizing that I've been grieving the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is like, hey, hey, you've been around long enough to know. You've been on the meat long enough. You're a grown person. You need to get over it. You need to get by it. You need to let it go. You need to grow up. And let's get to moving. These are things that I've dealt with in my own personal life. I'm telling you this because I truly believe that these are some of the interconnection, the interconnected things into being able to see the works of God again. Now, this is going to be a bit of a journey because this is not the only night we're going to be talking about this. I'm, I'm, the Lord had given me some stuff a couple weeks ago. I told the pastor, I said, I said I'm going to be covering this for, for a little while. We want to, I want to talk about the Holy Ghost. And he wants us to talk about him. And this is going to be a bit of a journey over the next couple Sunday nights of talking about these very things. Uh, quenchings and grievances quenchings and grievances and the things that we're doing are possibly doing as to why we're not seeing the things that we want to see in the spirit all right so uh a justifiable abhorrence uh, of giving your basically that too is giving yourself permission to dislike and have disdain against someone else i got a good excuse too <laughs> i got a good excuse justifiable Okay, um, he, said, he said, put away wrath and anger and clamor. Clamor in the Greek is kroge, which means outcry, a tumult, or grief that's usually associated with shouting. <laughs> Literally, shouting. This is what, this is what clamoring means. Um, we, we've been, you will look on television, you see clamorers, Right? Climbers are yelling and screaming and shouting and hollering. Gotta see, what's that? Got to be heard. Well, see, in the, in the church, what I noticed over the years is that clamoring has taken on, and see, the enemy knows this stuff. Clamoring has taken on more of a sophisticated look in the church. It's a little bit more sophisticated than just coming up and everybody bringing their picket signs. Now it's a little bit more of a sophisticated clamoring. Now we dress it up and we make it look good, but we make sure that Sean knows how upset I am with Jimmy or maybe someone else in the church and I've got I've just got to be heard and I'm going to tell Sean about it Sean's my buddy he'll agree with me and all the time I am tearing his life up I have an outcry I am shouting about the mistreatment towards me you see how some of these actually intertwine and they work together. I'm upset. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to shout at the top of my lungs. And even though I won't shout in church, of course. <laughs> we take that a lot of different ways. But I'm going to get on the internet and I'll tell you how I feel. And I'm going to get on this and I'm going to show you how I feel. Or I'm going to post this and I'll make a point. 
I, 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 I have a high disdain for condescending posts. It's like, come on. Why all the, it's like people want to be stealthy, you know? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a point. Listen, you ain't doing nothing but hiding from a problem that you got deep rooted inside of you. Go to the root, rip it out, and get it taken care of. Resolve the problem. Clamoring. Outcry. And then there's evil speaking. Well, that sounds pretty self-explanatory, right? Just evil speaking. That's all evil. That's evil stuff, right? This is probably one of the most definitive ones in the bunch. And its Greek word is blasphemia. Blasphemia. Now, where do you think that's going? Evil speaking is vilification to God. Vilification, especially against God. That is using his name loosely and out of context without reverence. We're using his name in a way that is not in honor or uh, exaltation to him. It is used on a lower level of means to get a personal point across. That's what evil speaking means. Now, how that applies to you exactly, I don't know. But you can go look it up in Strong's if you want. And you can read how that actually works. Vilification was the first word. Vilification. Vilifying. Not glorifying. Vilifying. The Lord's name. That's evil speaking here. And so that really, that turned me inside. Just turned me. This grieves the Holy Ghost. Why? <laughs> Why wouldn't it? That's the, the, the triune. Anything, uh, I've, I've noticed this. Huh, how, do I, how do I even explain to you the, some of my own experiences? The Holy Ghost is, he's upbeat and he's very, he's very, uh, very personal and very friendly, but he will defend the Father in a second. He's like, uh-uh-uh, nope, don't you say that. But I thought we was, I thought we was buddies. No, you don't come between God, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He, the, you don't split up the triune for your own liking. Nah, I don't really do the Holy Ghost. That's not really my thing. Sorry, that's just the way it goes. You don't get to choose. Holy Ghost is there. You get to deal with him. That's just it. And so, um, I'm, I'm telling you this because we've got to, we've got to pay very close attention to the things that we've been talking about tonight. And I'm closing down right here. Um, everything that I've talked about here in, in, in the context of communication, a lot of this has to do with what we're saying. It's what we're saying. It's the communication aspect of grievances. We're grieving the Holy Ghost because of lazy talk. We're grieving him because it's not necessarily to, well, I have to say certain things and not say certain things. I'm not necessarily trying to point to that, what he's saying is, is there is definitely things that you can say that grieve the Holy Ghost. There are definitely, definitely some things that you can spill out of your mouth and communicate to other people that can grieve him. Don't you, listen, church, don't you think that these things right here, don't you think that these things can affect a service? Yeah, yeah, they can affect a service, all right. You come in with bitterness, you come in with um, some fierce passion of indignation into a church service. Better say hi to me. Better say hi to me today. <laughs> indignation. Some violent passion uh, of, uh, of repulsive, just, uh, of being justifiable um, to, uh, to dislike someone. Or maybe uh, we just don't know how to shut our mouths. And we clamor too much. And a lot, all these things are directly correlated to communication. And so closing this up, and he says, and, and be put away from you with all malice. And, and I don't, if you look at that, if you'll study that, what it's saying, and what malice means is just all bad things. And it's saying, basically what this is saying is, is 
and every other bad thing that can be communicated, stop doing it. That's what this means. That, to me, that right there was the blanket statement, malice. It's anything that can offend the Holy Ghost, stop it. Just stop doing it. And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. He said, be kind and tenderhearted. So what, what is the message here? The message is, is that these are the things that make God happy, right? That's more of a blanket statement. But these are the things, because if the Holy Ghost can be grieved, he can also be pleased. Right? Amen. I mean, just pay attention to the signs. They're all there. If he can be grieved, he can be pleased. And if he's pleased... And you're going to feel the presence of the Lord, and He's going to be like, "Come on, hey, come on, let's go closer. You want to go closer? How many of you have ever said, "I want to grow closer to God," and you sat down on the couch, and the moment you sat down on the couch to do something that you wanted to do, He said, "Hey, now would be a good time to pray." Are y'all with me? Tell me I'm not the only one that deals with that. He says, "Hey, you want to come? You want to come and pray?" And He says it so encouragingly. I mean, I've dealt, I've dealt with it so many years that it's, see, he's like, it's almost like I can see him if I can do it. He puts his arm around and he's like, hey, how are you? You want to come and pray? Because this would be a great time to do it. And you're just like, but I was just going to watch. And I was just about to relax. And yeah, I guess so. You see, everything that we do is interconnected with sacrifice. It's sacrifice. Yeah. What good is it if you're not having to give something up? So they're interconnected. All right, listen. There's going to be another part to this. I went just a bit over time, and I apologize for that. But we're going to be talking about this next Sunday. Amen. So please, come back. Every service. But be for being prepared for this, because we're going to continue to talk about the role of the Holy Ghost in our lives and what we got to start doing to get back on track. Would you stand? <laughs>